0: Hello, and welcome to another Sports Next Door podcast. My name is Owen. Today is Monday, December 18th, and I'm joined, as I always am, by my
1: neighbor, Max. How's it going, my friend? Doing better, doing better. Uh, Home for the holidays. Lots of crises dealt with. Got my McGill mug and my tea. Nice. Not too bad. How about you? Not too bad, thanks. Little,
0: a uh, little heavy eyed, not, not as the same enthusiasm as I've had probably in previous weeks. Got up yeah. at 4 30 to do the drive, uh, got to see you in person briefly, and then had to do the drive from Toronto to London this morning. Um, so just trying to get through this podcast here and enjoy the next hour so that I can then go to bed
1: because <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. Well, I thought your intro intonations were as crisp and on point as ever. Lovely. That's always the plan. Provide a
0: superior product.
1: (laughs) What else have we got in the product today?
0: Oh, yeah. Plenty. Uh, capping NFL week 15. Uh, We got some combat corner with a little cameo uh, crossover event as we move into basketball. And then talk a little bit of hockey at the end because... Feel like we've been neglecting our our Leafs a little bit and some of the other storylines in the league. So, uh, got a got a little bit of everything on today's show, and if we don't have any sports lined up, then I'm ready to rock and roll into our football fan cave. Everything's too depressing. Just stick with sports. Yeah, we got it. We got to keep it bright here. Uh, I guess good news to kick us off. Talking bright, uh, Brighton losers to Arsenal this past weekend. Hmm. Gunners back, top of the table with an all-time fixture set next weekend. Arsenal-Liverpool, first and second in the Premier League. This one's for some of the marbles, if not all. Late season tilt, that could very well decide who ends up winning the league. Uh, So a massive match this weekend for any of the footy fans ready to tune in just a couple days before Christmas.
1: Hear me out. Don't hit me with a really bad British accent after I finish saying, but you need to like develop a really on-point, indistinguishable one, just for that, just for the footy talk. Like, yeah, w- you, you <sighs> just do it, and then you switch back, and it will fuck with everyone's head and be amazing. Or maybe
0: it's better if
1: it's really bad. No, no, no. Okay. It's got. It's got to be like. D- does he just become British when he like? It, it can't. Like, they've got to be like. I'm hearing a, like, what's happening? So the piece, yeah. I, I, I'd say it's it's not great,
0: it's not worst, but the part I really need to get down is the uh, the slang. That would be yeah. the piece yeah. that would really get me into it. Yeah, just something to think about. <laughs> okay, we'll keep it in mind. We'll keep it in mind. I, I think people have over complimented my impressions in the past. I don't believe they're actually that great. So. I've heard them, and I. A test. <laughs> Thanks, dude. All right. Let's go football fan cave here. North American side. NFL recap week 15. The Los Angeles Chargers entered Thursday night down tremendous. Justin Herbert out for the season with a broken finger. And no one could have predicted the final of this game. Stepping in the... Raiders scored 0 points this past week week 14 and they come into Thursday night football and if you had cut their points total in half from this game they still would have beat the Chargers and had leftover points to then win the previous week against Minnesota <laughs> 63 to 21 oh my god an absolute shellacking And it was the final straw for Brandon Staley and the Chargers GM as they were both fired in Vegas. Not the worst place to get fired if you know you're going to get paid out the rest of your salary. Uh, But their time in that organization comes to a close, and Chargers fans just continue to look away at the pain. Only bright side is you might have a shot in the Belichick sweepstakes if he's gone Mm -hmm. in New England at the end of the season. Other news here, running through some AFC victors. The Cincinnati Bengals come back down 17-3 to beat the Vikings in overtime. They stopped the Vikings on 31 and 4th and, and 1, stopping the quarterback sneak. Their defensive line was dominant the entire game. Nothing new here, especially with Miles Garrett, um a contender for defensive player of the year. And Joe Flacco made just enough plays. Uh he made many Poor plays in this game, probably his worst game we've seen as a starter, uh, in in this season for the Browns. But somehow they squeak onto another win and and look to be well in the driver's seat now for that five seed in the AFC. Um, and and yeah, the both the Bengals and the Browns getting big wins there in that AFC North, while the Bears through a hail mary attempt that bounced in and out of the hands of darnell moody at the last second there uh and and that was what allowed the the browns to win in their game um yeah just just narrowly escaping with that victory my broncos who are contending in that wild card race this was the biggest game of their season and they got smoked and detroit showing their much stronger team at home uh, that is a theme a couple of these dome teams showed today. Uh, and and they just ran all over the, the Broncos. Jameer Gibbs was outstanding. Amon Ross St. Brown was outstanding. Um, and, and the Broncos tried to get back into it slightly, but they just had no answer for this line's offense. Sean Laporta is going to be such a stud for such a long time at the tight end position. And the lines are loaded with offensive talent. It's really, if they can put it all together with, like they did today on on that deep ball. Moving over to NFC side here, Tommy DeVito runs out of magic, runs out of Italian gusto, Italian sauce, as the New Orleans Saints get to him a number of times using his celebration against him when they sack him. Uh, And and, yeah, Giants fans enjoyed that mini three-game win streak while it lasted, but it... Ended in short order against the Saints in New Orleans. The Carolina Panthers put a major dent in the Atlanta Falcons' postseason hopes as they get their second win of the season, nine to seven, absolute barn burner in front of ten people in Carolina. Uh, tickets went on were as low as four dollars before game time oh to get God. into that one because it was pouring rain at an outdoor venue, mm. and yeah. they're one in twelve going into that game. Yeah, I
1: don't know if I'd attend
0: to that if you paid me $4. Exactly. So, tough one, uh, tough scene, but they do get the win. It looked like it sparks some excitement in the team. They get the interim head coach, a W, and it, yeah, Falcons just have to be looking around. Uh, that's a game you can't lose, and it really affects their chances, especially with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going into Lambeau and lighting up the Packers in their win. Uh and, and Baker Mayfield was phenomenal throwing for over 300 yards, number of touchdowns, hitting Godwin, hitting Mike Evans and uh, the Packers after their own mini run of their own, can't seem to get it across the finish line here. And now the bucks are in the driver's seat for that NFC South. Some of the contenders here, Dolphins, Ravens, Chiefs, all take care of business in their respective matchups. The Ravens with the most significant win of the three over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Game never really felt close, and Lamar Jackson continues to step towards another potential MVP trophy to add to his cupboard. Tua uh, continuing to put up some really solid stats, linked up a bunch with Jalen Waddell today with Tyreek Hill being out as they thwumped the Jets. Uh, their defense really strong didn't allow a single point in this game, which cost me my fantasy season, but or fantasy week, I was already out, so didn't hurt me that much. But a great performance from the Dolphins, D. And then the Chiefs do enough. It wasn't the most convincing win against the New England Patriots, but the Patriots do still have a very solid defense, and the Chiefs show that they were able to move the ball at times. I don't know what's going on with Travis Kelsey, but it is not looking good right now and i don't know if he's hurt or if he's kind of load managing before the postseason run but he doesn't look nearly the same as he has the past couple of years i'm not going to blame it on taylor swift because i do
1: not want to get attacked <laughs> uh, we talk in the nba especially and sometimes the nhl about these teams with championship pedigrees taking the regular season off. Is that just not the same phenomenon in the NFL with so many fewer games to play? That and
0: how physically violent the sport is. Yeah. You, you just can't, can't afford You it. can't go 50% because you're going to get hurt. Yeah. Yeah. So the Chiefs are a team that have... From a play calling perspective, taking seasons less seriously, not from an effort perspective, but just in terms of the plays that they run, the experimentation they do. This season actually feels like out of any of them the last couple of years, the season they've most taken it easy. And that's why we've seen some of the shocking losses. I mean, they're still nine and five, but not, this, not achieving the, the level of accomplishment that as many expected them to at the beginning of the year. And so that's what happens when you take your foot off the gas. They're still going to win their whatever eighth, seventh straight AFC West title um, and and likely be in the, the championship game again. But uh, they look much more vulnerable than they ever have during Mahomes' run. A team that maybe wants to take a shot at them would be the Houston Texans, who without CJ Stroud, hang on, come back to beat the Tennessee Titans in... Yeah, just a, a weird and wacky game. And and with the Colts getting a win over the Steelers, we could see three teams from the AFC South potentially in the playoffs, a division that can barely send one team typically on most years. So uh, an interesting result there for Houston to stay alive in the playoff race. And then the 49ers and Rams uh, kind of take par- care of business in their game against the Cardinals and the Commanders to keep them in stride and, and Niners well and control that one seed with the Rams uh, solidifying or starting to enter the playoff conversation with that win over the Commanders. And then we reached the Sunday afternoon primetime game. The Buffalo Bills, who have really significantly struggled this season and are much better than maybe their record suggests, go out and prove it. Against a 10 and 3 Cowboys team, they just dominated them on both sides of the ball. The physically stronger team on offense and their defensive line caused lots of havoc for the Cowboys, whose offense could not get going. It just continues to understate the importance of home field for the Cowboys. And now they need some help from Philadelphia losing a game in shocking fashion for them to reclaim control of the division as they average over 30 points a game at home and under 20 points a game on the road so it's it's a massive difference it's not a great look for them to lose this game and and definitely a wake-up call here uh, as they don't want to necessarily go on the road and potentially risk another embarrassing playoff defeat i mean they'd be going to tampa bay not the most difficult matchup ever but you just you don't want to have to play through the road when you've been so dominant at home And we arrive at the Fantasy Player of the Week. This week, not just a player, but multiple players. I have to give it to the Vegas Raiders defense. Quarterfinals of Fantasy Playoffs. Some significant moves need to be made. I mean, shout out to all the folks whose fantasy season got destroyed by Tyreek Hill being injured and not being able to play. I mean, that is a massive swing in, in fantasy world. But if you just thought Easton stick, not very good. Brandon Staley probably getting fired and you went with your gut and went Raiders defense. You got rewarded with two defensive touchdowns uh, and a slew of sacks and forced turnovers as they just dominated for the first 80% of the game. And then finally gave up a couple of touchdowns late uh, so that the chargers would have some level of respect, but that Raiders defense defense, No one was really expecting that from them after uh, not a spectacular showing up until this point in the season, but they really balled out and uh, yeah, maybe won some, swung some fantasy matchups this week in the first round of the playoffs. And that's going to do it for our football fan cave. Only three more weeks to go.
1: Wow. All right. Well, for a limited time at least we'll swing back to combat corner uh and talk UFC 296 7 8 I'm not too sure and I don't really care too much we're almost at 300 I know that um a few months back I listed all the terrible matchmaking that was going on for UFC title shots and Usman versus Covington. Excuse me. um, Wow, I would messed up in the notes. Edwards versus Covington was kind of the pinnacle of that, where there was just no reason You can justify Colby Covington getting a title shot when his last wins were over Jorge Masvidal and Tyron Woodley, who were so far past their primes. Uh, The last guy he beat who was actually in their prime was Rafael dos Anjos in like 2017 or something. Um, So on the strength of not losing to Usman as badly as other guys had lost, um, the UFC just forced Leon Edwards to take this Colby Covington matchup that Leon Edwards didn't think Colby deserved and did his best not to get it to it. But eventually his hands were tied and he had to take it. And come Saturday night, the fact that Colby Covington had not earned a a title shot just became abundantly clear. From the moment the fight started, um, it looked like a guy who had only fought against old men or someone like Usman, who he stylistically matches up against very, very well. Uh, Edwards put on a clinic of distance management, um, just staying far enough away that it made Colby incredibly apprehensive about shooting uh, and bringing the pace so far down where his accuracy was just always a threat. He did a beautiful job with the legs kicks, bruising up Colby's thigh. Um, and he just like embarrassed Covington for almost 25 minutes. The highlights, uh, other than like the really hard punches that he land on Colby's face, the highlights for me came out oh, in the third round when Colby finally managed to like get one shot off, took Edwards down, and then Edwards got right back up in about five seconds and just took him down for fun uh the commentary for that fight i thought was just hilarious because it was like they couldn't wrap their head around the fact that covington had not earned this title shot and because they couldn't say it on air they just sounded like idiots like not sure why covington wasn't having any success as if like he had been fighting guys who were actually good in the division and beating them um I also thought it was pretty bizarre and embarrassing and kind of hilarious when uh, Edwards, who had dominated the fight, like went for a triangle submission and Covington got out of it and managed to get Edwards on his back for the last minute and a half of the fight and chose to like rabbit punch. And the commentary acted like that was a disaster for Edwards. And uh, yeah, it, it was just a clinic, like... I'm not incredibly impressed because it was not against the best in the division, but it showed that Leon Edwards is a world-class fighter. Uh, and when you put a world-class fighter in the octagon against someone who's not a world-class fighter and hasn't been fighting like a world-class fighter, that's what you get Saturday night and that's what the head of the pay-per-view was. Um, I Colby going out and calling out 40-year-old Wonder Boy right after that loss was just of course, um, but I hope what's next for the division will be better as the star of the night for me was Shavkat Rachmanov, who took out said Boy in really, really convincing dominant fashion. Oh, first round got him like right against the cage, held him there in the clinch, landed some bombs in the clinch. By his standards, it was a lackluster first round because he did not land hella damage and dominate every facet of the fight as he usually does. But I thought he more than made up for that in the second round getting a takedown trip much, much quicker. I think he just had Wonderboy so off balance that he knew he was going down, tried to get land something flying, Rachmanov able to get the trip, and from there, it's just chess master jiu-jitsu. Like his move, his brain is 10, 15 moves ahead, knowing how he's going to get to the submission when the position's not even close and just slowly working towards that and making it inescapable when he finally gets there. Almost gets one rear naked choke. Wonderboy just manages to get out, but goes right back to work, looks so calm, and manages to set up the rear naked choke and slide it under almost effortlessly, getting it with like five seconds left in the round. So rough if you're a Wonder Boy fan to see him tap with so little time left in the round. Um at least he didn't take too much damage if you're a fan, which who isn't at least a little a fan of Wonderboy, and uh Just how can you not be so impressed with Shavkat? 18 wins, 18 finishes against guys like Jeff Neal, Wonderboy Thompson, who's looked good in his past fights, even if he is 40 years old. That's not an empty ranking next to his name. I know Bilal Muhammad has a good argument for the title shot as well but i think when you look at the finishing rate of Rachmanov, even if you want to say muhammad is more deserving in terms of resume you've got to admit that Rachmanov is the better fighter and the bigger threat i don't know how anyone can deny that Uh, the ankle injury that become got disclosed after the fight is going to take a while to heal up i think that's the best reason you can think of to give muhammad the fight the next title shot uh as well as also if you're a rock fan can excuse a bit of not seeing him dominate the striker on the feet as some people were probably expecting the biggest favorite on the main card completely lives up to it and just retire tony ferguson please it's so painful to watch you lose to a guy like Patty pimblett who looks like garbage on the feet and still managed to land violence but you don't listen to anyone else. So why would you listen to this? And yeah, um, though I think that was UFC 290 something. Performance of the week though, goes to Draymond Green for the spinning windmill open fist <laughs> landed on Yusuf Nurkic and the NBA ends the performance in the form of an indefinite suspension. All oh, right, violence is allowed in the NBA. Oh, it, like, we didn't talk about the Gobert thing. We didn't dwell too long on the Sabonis thing when it happened, but it's a really ugly string of events. And you, like, do you, for my money, like, this is on the court a more egregious pattern of behavior. I personally think he deserves a bigger suspension than Ja got.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, repeated pattern of behavior, right? It, and and we didn't even mention the Jordan Poole incident and yeah. the Steven Adams incident, and he cost them a title in 2016 with accumulation of a number of flagrant fouls, right? It's He's a guy who has been sheltered by the success that that team has had over the past decade and the antics that haven't necessarily changed um, that he maybe had gotten away with being the heart and soul and the alpha dog um, on the court uh, against other teams when, when going in the playoffs or when they were just killing everyone. But tempers flare higher. Once you actually start losing games, Mm -hmm. losing more than you win. Uh, Now it's been a couple of years of that. The team isn't operating at the same level that it once was. And I mean, as he gets, older and there's other players who are just continuing to try and take that alpha dog status from him he's losing a little bit of that that physical edge or i don't necessarily want to say that because he can still turn it on at times but father time catches up to everyone and from that are we seeing just a little bit more recklessness i would say so and the antics that have always been there have seemed to go up a level yeah to a spot where it is unsafe for him to be on the court for himself and for others. And counseling is the thing that's being thrown out there that he's getting. I don't know what, if that is going to change anything. I doubt that's going to change anything, but with the five game suspension already handed down and then another incident in the same season, it's not looking great. And obviously a minimum of three weeks here is is all we know so far. I imagine, like you said, it will be in the John Morant range, who, by the way, is back now, I think, in seven more games. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's just the same. Like, if I think they care less. I think they've always treated him very generously. Um, but, yeah, it, it, it's just... Like, a, it's so blatant, and it's so unnecessary, and it's... I, you talk about tempers flaring in context and losing the physical edge. Maybe... I didn't watch the whole game, but... but so, like, maybe there's an argument that Nurkic was cheap-shotting him all night, but I I don't think so. That I happens every night. Yeah. Like, the league is physical. Yeah. And I, I don't think there was anything particularly nasty or, or like... I think it's just a temper tantrum, and someone who feels like he can do whatever he wants and get away with it. And yeah, like I said at the beginning, I think when you look at the how recent the Gobert suspension was, and how he clearly did not learn anything, like something with real teeth is deserved here. Um, we'll see, but a pretty unanimous. Opinion around the league. I don't think we're saying anything too controversial yeah. here.
0: If it's not anger and outrage, then the only other scene is uh like feeling bad for him and almost thinking like something is very wrong. So, yeah, we'll see what comes of it. I imagine it won't be the last time we have one of these instances incidents with Draymond, but if we do, he may need start looking for a UFC contract. <laughs>
1: All right, uh, what else is going on around the
0: league? Yeah, basketball storylines here. I think we haven't dove too much into it, but the losing streaks, I think we got to talk about the Spurs finally end their 18-game losing streak, defeating the Los Angeles Lakers the other night. And it's been a rough season for them, but somehow... They were being shielded and protected from the ire of and and maliciousness and teasing of NBA fans because standing over their bloody and beaten body was the meme of the military man catching the flaming arrows in their back, Detroit Pistons. Oof. What a time to be a Detroit fan. It's finally your cursed franchise. The Lions uh, are, are turning it around the red wings are finally back on track after about a decade of rebuilding and the pistons who have that title from 2004 she still got that 20 years ago now is it is bleak it is very yeah. very bleak a 21 game losing streak losing by 32 to the bucks most recently and a lot of those games haven't even been close they're rejected record based on kind of play and expected values and all that stuff. It doesn't really mean much, but five and 21. So they've been in a couple of these games, but largely overall, they're where they should be. They were a team that's so young and still learning. They play at the slowest pace in the NBA, Mm -hmm. which was one of the things that weirdly stood out to me. Yeah. Yeah they only play about 100 possessions a game yeah you've got Cade you've got Stewart you've got Durin you've got Jaden Ivey you've got Asar Thompson like you want to get these guys out and running and they really get slowed down and they muck it up with those centers like Durin doesn't shoot Stewart shoots it okay now Thompson doesn't shoot at all Killian Hayes doesn't shoot at all Cade Cunningham was a shooter in college but hasn't really shown the off the dribble range from three yet. And so they, they've really, really struggled to have great spacing. And when you play at a slow pace, you're going to get bogged down in the modern NBA. And it's been really disgusting to see. Uh, they have the lowest uh, strength of schedule mixed with net, net rating for obvious reasons. They're twenty eighth in the league in offense and twenty sixth in the league in league in defense for a minus twelve net rating on a night to night basis. That means they're losing by double digits night to night, and I just feel bad for Pistons fans because Cade. I mean, I was high on him. He was yeah. really one of the first prospects that I was doing the day by day breakdown of his progress, at, um, and and. Had he could be, I think he still can be an incredible player. He just has not much around him. And they need to run back healthy in the worst way. They need to get Ivy more minutes because they need to figure out what they have in him. And and Monty Williams, who they spent all that money on, uh, has, has not been great so far with this young team. Popovich and Monty Williams, two of the three worst records in the league, two top two highest paid coaches in the league. Funny wow. how that works.
1: Yeah, it, it's funny I've, like there were so many Wembenyama LeBron comparisons just in terms of the hype and the heralding and just, I, I don't know when the LeBron hate boner started exactly I like I don't know if it was more heat era. um so but it's weird like being in the post LeBron heat boner era like just you just imagine what the dunking and the sneering would have been like if this was what LeBron's rookie season looked like after all the hype and the yeah. heralding that was discussed. And the one thing I can think of, and we can bring this back to the piston is, and the Spurs, is just is the league so much better, like one through 10 now. Whereas in back then, like you had a couple of really, really good teams. And it like I I have heard that said that the East that LeBron was successful in as a very young player was not that competitive. And it was mainly the West that was more dominant. Is um, But the West is crazy. The East is crazy. Even teams that are good, but not great are struggling to break 500. So it's yeah. just a really impossible task to be a bad team in the NBA right now and there's no hiding it or masking it and that's what we're seeing with the Spurs and Pistons or what do you think? Like does one, like am I right? Is Victor Wembenyama like are you surprised there isn't more disappointment or like early bust talk which would be premature you just kind of expect it with all the hype that was there?
0: No, because he has shown everything there like he doesn't have a lot of bad nights even though he's not on the best team like he's either first or second in points rebounds blocks right and and is an intimidating presence in the paint as a rim protector which we thought from a base would be his his level um and he hasn't been able to show off some of his creativity on the offset, offensive side of the floor because similar to the Pistons, the Spurs don't have a ton of shooting around him, right? Mm-hmm. Vassell is is still extending his range. Uh, same with Malachi Branham, who's been really streaky. And then you've got like Chetty Osman, Keldon Johnson... Zach Collins aren't necessarily flamethrowers from outside of the arc. And so uh, the the spacing isn't great right now for the Spurs either. And then they're getting just caved on, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, If They can't really stop anyone from attacking the basket and they're running into a ton of tough teams, right? Like um, your West coast team, you travel a little bit more than the East coast teams. That's just, nature of the game but you are playing like denver night tonight the la teams night tonight phoenix right sacramento yeah, i mean like look how Dallas, bad the suns are
1: doing and houston that is, a, is
0: now good this year like yeah. it is
1: murder's row in the west yeah. so i like i don't blame them i was just with all like the pre-draft comparisons yeah. it's interesting but like i nope. think the league is just really really good right now and yeah like we yeah, like I look at the Suns, like that should be a good basketball team and they are struggling. So a team that's several notches below that in talent, like it's yeah. just what can you do?
0: And Wemby will get a write off in the first season, but it'll be if things continue to happen this way in year two is when you'll see. Yeah, the, the
1: yeah, the bus talk. i like out. empty stats, something like <laughs> yeah. it's. When there's no excuse not to win with that level of talent, is how the narrative goes.
0: We'll leave it at that and we'll jump into hockey here because it was a crazy week for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Four games in a week, first time they've had that all season. A couple games in terms of games played, especially having to go over to Sweden and come back. So, four games. They get the Tavares 1,000-point game where they lose in overtime to the Islanders, then have maybe their best performance of the season in a win against the Rangers. Then another unbelievable comeback. They are the third team, I think, in the last 50 years to bring a game to overtime when trailing by five or more goals heading into the third period. They score five to come back against Columbus, who has just been abysmal at being able to hold leads. Uh, But then they lose in overtime after dominating play there, classic Leafs fashion. And then they follow that up with maybe their best performance of the season, a 7-0 drubbing of the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, dominated in all facets of the game. Nice little checkmark uh, to send Dubas Packing in his return to Toronto. But uh, a very Jekyll and Hyde week for the Leafs, but despite that, They have now successfully picked up a point, I believe, since the first week of November. So they are rolling in terms of keeping pace with the leaders in the Eastern Conference, still just hanging right off the pace there of the Boston Bruins. But they're in the picture for sure, despite having the and flu bug them this week uh, and and continuing to power through. Um, and, And they're just in a good spot right now. Had to shout out Matthew Nyes with the Gordie Howe hat trick. I think the first one since 2009 for the Leafs, um, his phone lit up. It was a great performance from him and he, a big one that he needed after missing the previous two games with a sickness. And he must've been pretty sick because NHL guys don't miss games for nothing. Uh, and, and just, yeah, giving a shout out to the team right now. Cause a lot of the depth is coming through deservedly. So. Tre Living is getting hit with a ton of flack for the Klingberg and Reeves signings. Those have been boat anchors on this team so far this season. Now both of them are hurt. Klingberg actually done for the year does allow them a little bit more flexibility to fly, find a replacement, but those were two pretty big swings and misses he took on contracts. But underratedly, you got to give him some credit. Noah Greger, really great start to the season for him. Tyler Bertuzzi, after I wanted him off my team, has completely 180'd and now is a really key part to this team so far. Uh, Max Domi has just kind of week by week improved and now is centering a really strong third line and had a couple of points in that win last night. He's looked a lot stronger in the last week or so, uh, got his first five-on-five goal of the season as well in the last week, and then Simone Benoit, Lagasin, Martin Jones, guys who... Maybe most fans hadn't heard of coming into the season, just playing their role, being physical. Martin Jones stepping in and going three and zero in his first three starts. All you can ask for from your third string goalie. In fact, it's probably too much to ask of your third string goalie, But the Leafs have played well in front of him. He's managed to keep things calm, and yeah, just holding the fort until Joseph Wall's back, until a trade is made for maybe a Chris Tanev, um, until insert Mark Giordano, uh, until all those guys are coming back and fully healthy and. Yeah, I think the sustained culture of winning that's now been established for the last six years, at least in the regular season, is really starting to shine through for the Leafs. Like a seven nothing win was on no one's card when Austin Matthews is not in the lineup, and so I've been impressed by the effort I've seen continuously from this team. Haven't had, and in fact, the only fight they had was against the Senators, who have now fired their head coach, DJ Smith, former Leafs power play coach. Uh, you knew it was coming. It's been rough there in Ottawa. They made plenty of personnel changes. It hasn't worked out. So DJ Smith out the door, Daniel Alfredson in as an assistant coach, and we will see who the next head coach of the Ottawa Senators will be. Um, I'm hoping I get to go see a game when I'm in Ottawa next week, but uh, mm. yeah, we'll, we'll give an update if that ends up happening.
1: All right. Well, less than a minute to go, so I think we will wrap it up there. We are one week out from Christmas, so no episode Boxing Day on, shockingly. Don't know when the next one's coming. Maybe the first ever in person. Who knows? But thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time, uh, Sports Next Door signing out. You get to the station, there's this crazy sound. Hey, man, this ain't no fishing town. Yeah, they're fishing, that ain't all.
0: Say.